Everybody, welcome to ARE Live. I'm Mark Tier, the founder of Black Spectacles, and today's episode features uh, Mike Newman, who's sitting right here, and he's going to discuss some of the topics and strategies relating to the schematic design uh, exam. Um, and as we were talking about it earlier, you know, the schematic design exam is a specific type of exam. It doesn't really matter how much you know about architecture and design; it's really about the strategies. Uh, you need to know in order to pass. So that's really what Mike is going to focus on uh, today. And before we get started, uh, I want to make sure if, uh, if you'd like to attend our next ARE Live broadcast, visit blackspectacles.com slash podcast to register. That's what we're looking at here. Um, during the broadcast, just like today, you'll have a chance to ask questions and share your answers uh, with Mike and the group. Um, if you don't know Mike, he's an adjunct professor at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. He's also the founder of Shed Studio, and he's the instructor for Black Spectacles' online AIA ARE prep curriculum. Um, and if you haven't already checked out our AIA ARE prep curriculum, head over to blackspectacles.com to watch any of the free tutorials from the course. And today, uh, we have a special Black Spectacles promo code to share, so make sure you stick around until the end of the episode. But first, let me hand it over to Mike. OK, thanks, Mark. Uh, so, as Mark started to mention, um, the uh, schematic design, the building design, uh, and the interior layout uh, vignettes is, um, are, one would hope, are about the sort of content of knowing how to be an architect. Uh, the, the, you would hope that that would be the point of why you would be taking this, uh, these vignettes and taking these exams. Um, in actuality, there's really not a heck of a lot of content in there. There is some, and we'll talk about it as we go along. But both of these vignettes are essentially about uh, do you kind of do you know the program? Do you know the strategies? Do you know how to how to make your way through what is a big onslaught of information uh, that you have to move through pretty quickly? Uh, so uh, we're going to just sort of jump right in um, and start talking about these these things. Uh, the schematic design exam topic is only vignettes. It is the two vignettes, the one for the building design and one for an interior office layout. We're going to see if we can race through uh, both of those uh, tonight and just kind of get uh, a, a quick idea of some of the base strategies and how you might, uh, how, how you might move through it. Uh, so let's uh, start off with uh, the building design. And the building design is kind of an interesting thing because it's a, it's a big, uh, big project. It's a multi-hour project. Uh, it's a two-story building. You have to design the whole building. Uh, you have to you know, lay out the rooms and understand the relationships and put all the circulation in. And it, it seems really quite impressive and daunting. And most people are very nervous about the building design uh, from the schematic process. In actuality, though, this one is, in my mind, one of the easier ones. And the reason for that is you actually have a lot of time. The other vignettes all tend to be very high pressure time-wise. Uh, but this one, you have many hours to, to, to play it out. So you have plenty of time to read through the information, make your decisions, move through the design, and then go back and reread and check all that information. So uh, it's, it's not nearly as daunting and uh, crazy as many people just assume uh, as a sort of a leftover of the old days when you used to have to draw a whole building out. So the big issues here, you're gonna have to follow the directions really precisely and very quickly, um, just so you have enough time to recheck it. Uh, and you're going to want to look for a few specific code compliance issues. That's really the big deal that's going on here. 
So let's uh, move on to the, uh, to the next here. Let's see. Hang on just a second. There we go. Sorry about that. Uh, so the first way to think about this uh, is you're just going to break it down into a few uh, fairly straightforward steps. Uh, the first thing you're going to be doing is you're going to be studying and evaluating the information that is given to you. So you've got a bunch of information. You're going to open up the program. There's going to be the, a, a drawing page. There's going to be a program page. There's going to be a code page. You want to go through, read it all, study it, find the, the important pieces of information that are unexpected. So it's not just reading it. You also want to make sure that you're evaluating it that that uh, is really a key part of the whole process. So you're, you're not just taking in the information, you're actually finding a way to make it useful for yourself. And we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in a few minutes. So then after you've had a chance to go through all that information and, and try to get it into some form that's useful for yourself, then you're going to start diagramming and sketching. You're going to sort of move through the process and make uh, your first assumptions, quick, quick assumptions about how you think the process is going to go, how the design is likely to go. And you're going to use those sketches to sort of guide your next set of steps. And then the next thing you're going to do, which is a little bit sort of counterintuitive, is you're actually going to start figuring out what your corridor pattern is, so what your egress pattern. So you're not really necessarily going straight to figuring out where all the rooms are. You're really thinking about what's the backbone that's holding all of this together. So you know, do you have a corridor pattern that's you know like an L? Do you have one that's a straight line? That uh, if you start to make sure that 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 whatever concept you choose makes sense, then it's easy to start plugging in rooms that fit to that when you get to the, to the next step, which would be step four, which is, okay, put the rooms in, make it work, put the doors in, do, do all of that stuff where you're really actually drawing it all out. And then once you've done that, you've gone through the whole process, but you've gone through it reasonably quickly, then you go back and then you're going to go back and check, right? The checking is actually just as key as anything else because it's a lot of information. There's going to be uh, a lot of reading, a lot of matching this room to that room. This one's near that. That one's uh, direct accessible. All those kinds of things. You have to you have to figure out what they really mean by all these different notices, and it'll be different when you read it the second time. You're quite likely to find a little piece of information here or there that you didn't understand what they really meant. And then that gives you plenty of opportunity to sort of go back, fix it, and then make it work and check it again. So key to remember here, one thing at a time. You're moving reasonably fast, and you're kind of on this awkward program. The vignette programs are outdated and kind of ridiculous. Uh, you should use that to your advantage. Like it's, it's not wildly complicated. It's not something that that uh, needs uh, a tremendous amount of nuance uh, or anything like that. It's really simple and straightforward if you let it be. So do one thing at a time and keep it simple. As you move through, you are not designing. You are doing a puzzle. It's not architecture. It's a puzzle. It has rules the way a puzzle has rules. Now, the, the puzzle is sort of architecture content, but it's not architecture. Don't try to make it architecture. Think of it as a puzzle. And if you do that, if you think of it as a puzzle, uh, your life will be much, much easier. So OK, what is the building design going to be? Well, I can tell you it's going to be something just like this. 
it's going to be two stories. Uh, there's going to be a two-story building. There's going to be a big double height uh, space in it. So I don't know, is it going to be a small school and it's got a bunch of classrooms and then a small gymnasium that's double height? Is it going to be a library with a big reading room? Uh, is it going to be a fire station or something along those lines? It, it doesn't really matter. It's going to be a number of small rooms uh, or smaller rooms on two floors that essentially wrap around or abut next to a double height space. Uh, so you already know all the things that are going to come. Just by looking at that and understanding that issue, you understand that there's going to be uh, two stairs uh, at either end of the corridors. There's going to be a simple corridor line, and then there's going to be uh, some way that all of this sort of relates to each other. Now, is it in an L shape like I've shown here? Maybe. Is it a straight line? Maybe. There's a bunch of different ways. Well, you'll see a few examples as we go along. But uh, it's not going to suddenly be a four-story building or it's not going to suddenly be an airport or anything like that. It's going to be a simple two-story institutional building of some sort. So the design issues are pretty clear. Um, and while this sounds a little ridiculous to say out loud, one of them is you can't put a second floor room on top of a double height space on the first floor. Uh, so I know that sounds a little crazy that to have to actually say that. But it's actually kind of important. It's one of the things they just want to make sure that you're you're just playing by the rules that they've given you, and those are very simple and straightforward. You can't put any steps in to, to go up and over something. You don't want to even worry about it. You're going to have some big space, and then there's going to be some other two-story space next to it, or wrapped around it, or however it goes. Uh, the other important thing that's going to happen here is that the stairs and corridors are going to be in some very simple and logical egress pattern. And it's not that it's looking for that from a design standpoint. In fact, the computer really doesn't care about your design capacity. Uh, nobody is going to look at this and say it's a beautiful building. Um, if you are thinking about that at all, you're doing the wrong thing. Uh, so you are really only just making this thing logical and straightforward uh, for two reasons. One is it's going to be easier to make sure you actually caught all the egress issues. Uh, and then the other reason is the more simple and straightforward you make it, the easier it's going to be on you. The more complicated you make that uh, corridor system, that circulation system, the harder it's going to be on you to fit everything in. And then, as I said, you're going to follow the rules. And so the rules really are just the code and all the list of uh, information that comes from the program. Uh, you just have to, there's going to be lots of little things like this room gets a window and that room gets a view and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so those are all the rules that you have to follow. So that's all you're doing. There's really nothing else going on. You're making this little two-story building uh, with this one big room and then you're following the rules. Make sure the circulation is logical and has a simple uh, logical egress uh, and that you've respected that double height space. All of these sort of rules that I was just mentioning are going to fall under the category of the program, the code, and then just how you're drawing them. So when you start thinking about the program, uh, when you first uh, uh, start opening up the, the program, the, the computer, the computer turns on, you open up uh, the uh, program will show up, you start looking through it. What is the program going to tell you? Well, it's going to have a bunch of 
sort of individual rules, uh, things like uh, about how tall the ceilings are and all that. None of that is particularly important, but then there's a few key pieces in there that you have to read through to find what those key pieces are. So those I would refer to as kind of the specialty moments, like what are the specialty things that are about this particular uh, vignette that uh, make it particular to this. So um, maybe uh, all rooms have to be connected to the corridor. You can't go through another room to get to a corridor, except maybe the locker rooms, you can go through the gymnasium to get to the corridor, something like that, right? That would be a sort of a specialty issue that you've got to be looking out for uh, because it has to do specifically with this particular vignette. Uh, but the main thing you're going to be sort of scanning down through the program for is what is it, what are the, what are the rooms, what, what's the point of the rooms, but then what's their size, which ones need to be near which other ones, uh, which ones need to be the employee entrance, uh, which one needs to be near the view, uh, any of those kinds of little special moments uh, that would allow you to start putting together this information. So one of the things you have to start looking for is what I always refer to as tricky wording. So tricky wording would be something like, uh, this room needs to be near the other room. So let's say a receptionist uh, office needs to be near the director's, um, the executive director's office. Well, what does near mean? Um, those are the kinds of things you want to get used to, kind of as you try it out a few times, you'll start getting a feel for it. There's going to be things like next to, near, uh, uh, visual control of. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different ways of saying something can be near something else. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that as we, as we go along. And then one of the things that I'm going to mention a couple of times is you have to find a way to take notes. Find your way to take notes. So I'm showing an example here of using a matrix. Uh, and then filling in the information. Some people actually just literally write, rewrite the whole program out, and that's the best way for them uh, to assimilate the information. Uh, that seems a little crazy to me, but if it works for you, that's great. Other people don't write anything out on the scratch paper. They just, uh, they just flip back and forth from the screens, and they read it. Uh, they, when they see something important, they, they flip back to the drawing page and then do whatever that, that drawing says, and then they flip back. Uh, to the program page. Most people I've talked to find that a little confusing. This, it always being digital, it's a little hard to find your place again when you move uh, back onto the program uh, sheets and the code sheets. So uh, my suggestion is you assume that you're going to be writing something out. And if you don't like it, then find another way. But find your system for taking notes. You want this to be when the computer starts and the program starts going, you want to know exactly what you're going to do. Uh, you want to have your system ready and just know how to start. So you want to practice not just using the program, but how you're going to actually take your notes. A couple of other sort of quick and easy things that are very important and useful. Um, one of them is there's going to be a lot of things. There's going to be all these different rooms. There's going to be you know, 20 or 30 rooms that are listed. And each one is going to say, you know, one will say, uh, three classrooms at 400 square feet and uh, two art rooms at uh, 500 square feet and blah, blah, blah. It'll go through a whole series of these different things. Uh, when you see that, it's not terribly useful to you to think of that as 400 square feet or 500 square feet. You should, in your brain, just immediately translate that to a floor plan thought. So to me, when I see 400 square feet, I actually immediately think of 20 by 20. When I see 500 square feet, I immediately think of 20 by 25, 315 by 20, right? 
Now, it doesn't mean that that has to be the shape of the room in the end. It's just that that's going to give you a visual cue to understand the scale. And that uh, you might start noticing that, oh, well, let's see, this 400, this 300, this 500, I can do this at 20 feet wide, and that's going to all match together. And then I realize that those three rooms are 20 by 55. Right? That's something that I can, uh, uh, um, excuse me, 20 by 60. Um, sorry about that. Uh, um, that's something that uh, you can do very fast uh, on the fly uh, without having to think about it. But if you're sitting there having to draw those out in order to understand how big something is, you're wasting time. And then obviously there are other shapes that will get you that same, uh, same square footage. So 16 by 25 would also get you that 400 square feet, uh, that 400 square foot number. Uh, so it's not that you can't move and change those things. You just want to have a sense of the scale of it so you can move, move quickly. Some of the code issues to be thinking about, uh, one of them is the idea of the dead end corridor. So dead-end corridor is uh, essentially every building that you design in a kind of commercial setting uh, will end up being something like uh, there's a corridor uh, and there's a stair at either end, right? So we've got uh, stairs um, kind of at either end. That way, if somebody comes into that corridor and is in a panic and makes a decision to go uh, to the left, uh, they're going to find a stair to be able to get out. If they made that same panic decision and went to the right, they're going to find a stair and be able to get out. So the idea here is that there should always be a, uh, a, an exit way, a stairway uh, at the end, uh, either a stair or a door directly out if you're on the ground floor, to be able to get out of the building. Um, now, not every building can you always have the stair or the door literally at the very, very end. And so there's sort of a little bit of allowment to have um, a, a bit of uh, corridor space that, that goes past that exit door. So uh, that corridor that's going past, that's referred to as a dead-end corridor. Uh, and they're saying 20 foot is the maximum. Now, when you actually read the code uh, on your, your actual um, exam, you should make sure that it, they're using the same numbers. My guess is the code will always be the same, essentially, uh, but you should always read through it to make sure, because they could change it. They could say 30 feet, or they could say 10 feet, or something. Uh, and they have changed things in the past at different points. So it's worth going through it. But my guess is it's going to be 20 feet. So that means that if somebody's kind of exiting this way and they missed that stair, they would go way down to the end here before they realized there wasn't an exit uh, to get back. And so this, man, that looks longer than 20 feet to me. So first of all, I could uh, find a bunch of different ways to fix this as an issue. One is instead of having that door there, maybe I put the door there so it's a little closer to the end. Uh, maybe I put this door over here so that I'm, uh, I'm less than 20. And if I don't need this corridor to go any farther, maybe I just end the corridor. Right? So there's lots of ways you can deal with these things. It's not, uh, we're not talking about um, very complicated ideas, but that's one of the code issues. You can't go longer than 20 feet. Uh, another uh, code issue you're going to find, I believe I have it on the next. Um, uh, is this idea that they really like the, the fact that you exit straight from the stairwell. So on the ground floor, one of the ways out uh, should be 
people from the corridor on the first floor are going to be able to exit through the stair and then go right straight to the outside. So that means that door wants to be on the outside. Uh, it, not internal, like you're not exiting into the corridor to go into the lobby to go outside. They want you to be able to exit straight to the outside from that stairwell. Uh, so that has implication onto where you can put the stairs. That's an important thing to, to remember. And then kind of while we're looking at that, uh, one of the things you realize is that all the egress doors, this is not all the doors, this is just all the doors that are categorized as egress doors, will swing in the direction of egress. So in this particular example, if this is a stair stairwell on the ground floor, and this is the corridor on the ground floor, uh, if I'm exiting from the uh, first floor, I would want to be able to go into the stairwell, so the door swings in the direction of into the stairwell, and then I'd want to be able to exit straight out of that to the outside, and so the door swings straight to the outside. It's swinging in the direction of the flow of egress. If I'm coming down the stairs uh, and I'm going into the ground floor, well, that would be a situation that is not uh, an egress situation, because if, I'm, if it's a fire or there's a panic and it's an egress situation, I'm not going to go into the building. I'm going to go straight out, which means my swing out is going to work. Uh, so this, it's okay for the door to swing in to that stairwell on that first floor. So uh, you, you start seeing very quickly that it gets a little complicated, but not terribly complicated. Just follow that rule. The egress doors swing in the direction of egress. Uh, that will show up on all the doors that are considered egress doors. Uh, any typical office door or classroom door or anything like that, those doors all swing into the room. They are not considered egress doors. With the one exception, when we look at the program, you'll notice that there's going to be one big room. And that one big room, whether it's the reading room or the gymnasium or whatever it is, uh, is going to require two doors. It's going to be large enough that the occupancy uh, would require you to have uh, more than one exit door. The sheer fact of that makes those two doors egress doors because it's bumped up above the amount of uh, occupancy that so it now means it's considered anything exiting out of that space is considered an egress process. So all these other doors are all swinging in to the rooms but this big room the doors are swinging out into the corridor. Now, can they, how close can they be? This is one of those uh, little code rules. There's this kind of interesting idea of the diagonal of the overall space, and I take half of that distance, uh, and that half of that distance, as long as uh, the doors are farther apart than that half of the diagonal, you're fine. Those are far enough apart from each other. They obviously don't want the doors to be right next to each other, because if there was then a problem, uh, you wouldn't be able to uh, get away from it. So we do have one question here from yeah. Ryan. He's asking, can the door be on the right side if up against the property line, go into the stairwell, turn right? On the right side, can you say that again for me? Can the door be on the right side if up against the property line? Oh, like I'm assuming he's referring to this door right here. If the property line is right there, mm -hmm. uh, that cannot happen. So uh, that's a, it's really. I was going to get to that a little bit later, but we can do it right now. Um, if that is the property line right there, you cannot have a door swing over the property line. Uh, you don't have control over that space. If it's swinging over onto a sidewalk, it's potentially dangerous. 
So it's not that you can therefore, well, okay, I'm gonna let that door swing in um, because you can't just change the egress because of the property line location. You would actually have to shift the building in order to have enough space to swing that door out there. Uh, and that is something that could happen to you. More likely, the property line is actually gonna be somewhere out here. Uh, and this line is probably a building limit line, which is more of a zoning line, and the door can, in fact, swing over a building limit line. It just can't swing over the property line. Um, so just kind of back to the, the big room with the two doors. So as long as they're far enough apart that there's more than halfway, uh, they're fine. It could also be that uh, both are going into the corridor. It could also be that one is going into the corridor and one is going to the, uh, to the, uh, directly to the outside. Um, so you don't, it doesn't have to be uh, always to the corridor. It could also be one to the outside. It can't be that both go to the outside because obviously you need to be able to get into the room from the corridor. Dana is asking, uh, can the second exit from the large space be directly to the exterior? Yes, and that's what I was just yeah. going through. So yes, you can absolutely have it be going to the exterior. However, be careful. Like, uh, so uh, if this is the one door right here that I'm using to go to the corridor, and then I do the other one going to the exterior here, first of all, it's swinging out. So the same issue we just talked about, property lines over there. Same issue you got to be a little careful of over here. But also, if I did it in the location right here, that far apart from each other, that probably meets the diagonal rule, but it's close. Uh, so you would want to make sure that you didn't put it here. Uh, you'd want to move it over somewhere over there. So you made sure that you were uh, meeting, that those two doors were far enough apart from each other. Um, and this is one of those things that you are not making a design. Remember, this is a puzzle. So it's not about making it the kind of most uh, pleasant entrance into a room or anything like that. It is really just dealing with these uh, puzzle rules, and this is one of those puzzle rules. Just make sure it's working for you. So, uh, when you start thinking about this stuff, you, you'll realize um, uh, a couple of um, interesting things. Like I just said, one of the things is these are not located from a design standpoint. They're located from the puzzle standpoint. So find the way that you uh, feel comfortable moving these things, these doors around, making the shapes of the rooms, making the relationships uh, about answering the problem, not about it as a design. So a couple things, the corridor is always gonna be six feet wide. Uh, and that six foot width um, is uh, kind of an interesting uh, number. It's uh, advantageous because it allows there to be 50% of the corridor open when I have a three foot door swinging into it. Uh, so that six foot wide is the minimum that any of the corridors are gonna be. It can be wider. Um, and that's fine if for some reason you need it to be wider, but there's no reason to make it wider unless you're getting some benefit out of it. Uh, the rooms will all be, have very specific uh, sizes that will be given to you. So uh, you know, let's say this was supposed to be a 300 square foot room, but in the end, because of the way that things sort of worked out, it ended up being, say, uh, 320 square feet. Well, that's fine. That's within the 10% tolerance range. Uh, so no need to worry about it. I would always aim at the accurate number, but if it changes a little bit or if you made a, a mistake and it's within that 10% uh, tolerance, I wouldn't bother fixing it because it's not worth the time. Uh, you, this is a very lenient uh, number, that 10% tolerance. It's actually fairly easy to make that work.
And then we started to talk earlier about the idea of being careful about adjacent versus near versus communicating, all those kinds of terms. That's something you're just going to have to test and, and, and get used to. And, uh, you know, we'll, it, it'll start to make sense as you, as you try it out a few times. And then there's kind of this interesting, um, interesting thing that uh, the second floor should not extend past the first floor. Uh, so that means uh, that when I'm separating out which rooms are going to go onto the first floor and which rooms are going to go onto the second floor, some rooms are likely to be, it's very clear it has to be on the first floor, and some rooms are very likely to be clear that they have to be on the second floor. But this could be a bunch of rooms, probably half or so, uh, maybe more than half of the rooms in the program that you don't know which floor they're supposed to go onto, and so you have to actually place them on a floor. Uh, you're going to want to make sure you place more of those rooms on the first floor so the first floor is bigger than the second floor so you can easily fit the second floor on top of the first floor. Uh, so here's a ridiculous little image to capture that as a concept. Uh, it does not matter that you would never build a building like this. Uh, you know, what is this space? I have no idea other than a leak. Uh, it doesn't matter as long as the second floor is smaller than the first floor. There is one caveat to that, which people will always mention, is it is possible if I have on the first floor and I have a, a, a door going out on the first floor, let's say going into the lobby, um, that I could actually extend the second floor out over the top of that to create a canopy for that as an entryway. Uh, so that is actually written into the rules. I wouldn't ever do it because I don't know how, like, what distance is that okay to do? It doesn't say ever what distance is okay. It doesn't say how far an overhang is okay. I just wouldn't do it. Just keep the second floor smaller than the first floor and life will be better. It never says anywhere that you have to protect anybody from the rain, so don't bother. And then keep the corridor simple. So we talked about this a little bit, but if you're doing something and I've got a straight corridor with a lobby uh, and stairs at either end, and then maybe I have my big room here, uh, or maybe it's over here, okay, that looks like it's gonna be fine. Or maybe it's an L-shaped and I've got stairs at either end, and then there's my lobby, and then I've got the big room maybe there, that looks great. Uh, something like this, there's the big room, there's my lobby, that's all good. Uh, when I get into something like this, oh my God, that's horrible. Right, that you're just that just you can tell immediately that's just not going to pass. It's just not working. So there you go. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, so keep it simple, and then try to find a pattern that that works with it. If at the very end, as you're just finishing something up, and you realize there's a little trick that you need to do, and you ended up having to make this corridor shift a little bit to to make that work, uh, as long as it kept the six foot uh, minimums. You know, that's fine. Like, it's okay if you end up doing something to, to make something work at the end, but start with something simple and straightforward. So the first thing you're going to do, uh, now we're going to act like we're going through it. First thing you're going to do, uh, computer comes on, I'm going to look at the site plan. And the reason I'm going to look at the site plan is I want to know what's going on. So this particular example, uh, for one, it's bordered by streets on all sides. So I'd be intrigued to know what the street names were, because I'm sure they're going to show up in the uh, uh, program in some form. Um, I note that the, uh, this is the building area, so that's my size. I bet I can find some, uh, some distances there, so I have a sense of how big things are. And uh, a couple of key pieces of information. 
It says view, or maybe it says parking lot, or maybe it says, I don't know, whatever, a pond or something. Uh, those are things that are going to show up in the program somewhere. And so by just kind of scanning it, you get a quick sense. You know, maybe for just uh, three, four, or five seconds, you're going to kind of get an idea of what's going on so that when you get to the program, uh, you can know what you're going to do. So then, all right, the real thing, now you're really jumping in. You've taken a quick look. Now you're going to go to the program. Uh, the program, you're going to read the whole program. You're also going to read the tips. The tips uh, is another sheet. It's probably not going to have anything interesting. I always recommend reading it anyway. You by the time you're doing that, you should have practiced this a few times. It's probably going to be exactly the same tips you've already seen before, but it's worth uh, having that moment where you kind of go through it all just to make sure and make sure there's nothing unusual in there. Uh, so the main thing though is you're going to start going through the program and you're going to start reading through the program and you're going to have your system for taking notes. So you're going to start drawing uh, your matrix or whatever, whatever way that you're going to take your notes. You're going to practice that when you practice doing uh, on one of the practice vignettes. You're going to practice how you take the notes and you're going to go through each of these different line items and you're going to start going through each of the different rooms uh, as, you, as you move along. Uh, the key thing you're looking for, there's going to be a few specific things you're looking for, and then you're looking for anything that's unexpected, anything that you wouldn't just know right off the top. Uh, like I said, there's actually plenty of time, but you want to move quickly when you're doing this. You want to have your system and really rip through it. So there's your starting off your system, you're going through, you read each of these notes, uh, it says things like uh, um, how tall the ceilings are, et cetera, et cetera, and it's, it's just sort of uh, giving you the, the, the background information of what's going on. Then the, the sort of bread and butter here is each of the room names with a square footage size, so these are all the square footages, uh, and then some kind of key piece of information about that room next to it, which is going to help you figure out which ones go on the first floor, which ones go on the second floor, what needs to be near what, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then, so this, this is showing you the first part. Here's the, the second part. And one of the things I'm looking for is, why is it my big room? Uh, so I'm going to go back for a quick sec. Um, if I scan through these first ones, uh, those are the stairs, so those aren't the big room. We've got small rooms. Uh, 750, that's pretty big. So a children's reading room, eh, you know, that's, that's possible. That's probably not big enough. So we go back to the, to the continuation of this list and we start scanning through. Uh, here we have a game room on this one for 1350, that's pretty big. We have a large meeting room, that's pretty big. Oh, but there we go. There's our 2600 square foot uh, multi-purpose room. That's going to be the room that we know we're going to have to have two uh, egress doors out of. So this, it's going to be a double height space. It's going to have all of those specific things going on. So let's just check ourselves here. So it says view, to, uh, so it means you, it's required to put an exterior window in. It has an 18-foot ceiling, which means it's the double height space. It has two exits, like we thought, and it's on the first floor, obviously, because it's a double height space. So that right there, scanning through and finding that room, a lot of things are going to revolve around that one room. Then one quick thing you want to be careful of is you want to make sure when you go through the code that this is the only room that actually requires two exits. It's the only one that says it on the program, but they could say it in the code by saying something like any room that's uh, 1,200 square feet or more uh, needs to have two exits, at which point you'd have to realize that that one would also need it. Um, it's likely that it'll say it directly in the program, but you should scan for that because that's, that's an easy trip up. And then, like I said, each of these rooms you can uh, find uh, 
you know, if it came down to it and you were 10, up to 10% off of those numbers, that's fine. Um, but try to aim at those actual numbers. So there's a lot of information as you kind of scan through this and a lot of little bits of uh, information, things like uh, the small meeting room needs to be near the large meeting room. So, okay, where is the large meeting room? Well, you, you're gonna find one thing or another is gonna start relating these things together and it, you have to piece it together to which goes on the first floor, which goes on the second floor, et cetera. All right, so looking at the code, after you've gone through the program, you've started taking your notes from the program, now you're taking your notes from the code. Again, you wanna have your own system for it. And you really, you should, by the time you actually do it, you should already know that what the code is likely to be. What you're really doing is looking for um, uh, unexpected, that's unexpected. There we go, put a little U there, sorry about that. Uh, unexpected elements uh, that, uh, seem out of place, right? Something that was different from the, the practice vignette that you did. And the reason for that is if it's something that's specific to that, it's probably likely something you're gonna to need to use. So you wanna make sure you read through the code and really look for it. Jonathan uh, is asking, you can be only over 10%, correct? Not under? So he's asking, you can only be 10% over, not under? Uh, no, I think you can be uh, within 10% either way. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the code used to, all of those things that we just talked about are all written in here in various sort of uh, odd ways about how they write things because it's a little peculiar how it's all written. But you can get a sense of that by going through those uh, on the practice exams and it's all those issues that we just discussed. All right, so now you've gone through the, you've taken a look at the, the site plan, you've gone through the program, you've gone through the tips, you've gone through the code, you've got all your information, you're ready to go, you wanna start sketching right away. So I've put this out uh, as two because you have a first floor uh, and you have a second floor. You're gonna want uh, either on scratch paper to start doing, uh, let's see, I could do a straight line here and a big room there and then I've got a bunch of rooms there and then maybe I do the same thing and where's the stair? Here's my stair, here's another stair. That means I have a lobby. Like I, I wanna sketch out a couple very fast, a couple of different ideas. So maybe I do two or three different versions of that, spend maybe a minute on each one. So really quickly getting a sense of it. I'm either doing that in sketch mode on the actual drawing page, or I'm doing it with a, a pencil on uh, the scratch paper. But you wanna have a, a, some place where you feel comfortable getting quick ideas out. So you're gonna, you're gonna mess around with those, sort of, what, what's, the, what's your first reaction, couple quick ideas, and then you're choosing the one that you think is the best. So part of that is you might start doing a bubble diagram. Uh, NCARB is a big fan of the bubble diagrams. They suggest that you do it this way. So you're gonna find, you're gonna go through your notes, you're gonna start placing the rooms, saying, well, okay, this one's on the first floor, that one's on the second floor, this one needs to be near this one, so it's, it's connected in some way, uh, and going through this as a bubble diagram. Me personally, I find bubble diagrams completely insane. I find them ridiculous looking and just confusing. So if you like bubble diagrams, more power to you. Go ahead and use them that way. It seems crazy to me. I would just do squares and rectangles because they look more like rooms uh, and I would draw it more as a building. I think it's faster and, and more intuitive. I find this just confusing. But like I say, whatever you want. Uh, when you practice, you wanna practice the, the tricks. So like what they're doing is the, the dots are, are like rooms with views or doors, specific kinds of doors, so that when you visually look at it, you, it, it tells you, oh yeah, when I'm doing this uh, SR room, I gotta remember to put a window into it, right? So you, that's a good trick, is whatever you're doing, whatever the matrix is, 
it should graphically tell you information so you don't have to read everything a second time. You just can see it uh, and know exactly what's going on and it it's a tool for reminders. John Paul is asking uh, regarding adjacencies, could rooms uh, uh, near each other be on separate floors if they are both by the stair? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so here's the funny part about the, to answer that. Uh, nobody knows. They won't tell you what the definitions of any of these rooms, uh, any of these words are. However, my feeling, no, uh, near would not be uh, on separate floors. I think near would be okay if it's on the same wing of the same floor. Um, so if you imagine, um, let's say the corridor was something that was a big L shape, and I had one room that was here and another room that was there, and they're both on that same wing, that seems like near to me. Uh, a, a room uh, there and over here, where it's that far away, that doesn't seem so near to me. But I would absolutely, personally, even though I don't know it officially, um, I would definitely not do it on a separate floor. I think that's too uh, nuanced of a version of near for the computer to be looking for. Yeah, it's, a really, it's an interesting question. And it's one that you'll, you'll battle through that as you read through these things quite a bit. Uh, all right, so then what are you going to do? You're going to start jumping into the actual, uh, on the actual drawing in sketch mode. You're probably going to say, all right, I decided I'm going to do uh, uh, straight lines across for my corridor, and then I can start placing in a few key guidelines, like this is 20 foot maybe, and so I know that all those 20 foot rooms are going to fit there, and uh, this one is uh, uh, you know, 30 feet, uh, it doesn't look it, but let's say it is, uh, so I know that those bigger things are going to be able to fit, uh, um, fit there. Uh, so you're going you're gonna to start um, just with some very simple sketch mode elements, making sure that things make sense. You're going to start drawing those in. And then once you do that, then you're going to come back and you're going to start placing actual rooms uh, at least sort of nearby to start getting a sense, all right, am I, are they in the right? Do they seem like the right scale? Uh, do I have the right balance of uh, different rooms? Um, uh, do I have the right balance of rooms um, uh, from the second floor and the first floor? Um, and uh, just kind of, kind of working it out. And then once you're done with that, then you're going to go and actually like, okay, this is the final design. I'm placing everything in the actual final dimensions. Everything's going to go fit together. I'm going to use the check button to make sure that everything's fitting. And then I'm going to start going back and, and checking things. So just as a reminder for those that haven't uh, tested any of these things out, the tools are very strange indeed. Um, but they're, they're strange in a kind of handy way. So this would be an example of where somebody's placing in these uh, two rooms. And they've done that by actually going into the menu and pulling down that particular room and then making it uh, the size that they wanted to. So it's a tool that's associated with the room. It's very sort of uh, strange. And then you can toggle back and forth between the different floors. You can see it where I just see one of the floors, or I can see the floor and the site plan, or I can see the, uh, both floors and the site plan. But one of the floors will always be the active floor, and the other one will be grayed out, or not there if I chose to not see it. So here's that tool where, OK, I'm picking up, uh, in this particular case, it's Mr. Jones's office. Uh, and then I can, or 
actually the one that I'm choosing here is this conference room, uh, and it could be either uh, rectangular shape or it can be an L shape, right? So that's what the tool is like. Um, it's, it's a very unusual way of thinking about tools. It takes a little getting used to, but you'll, you'll figure it out after you test it out a couple of times. So, okay, some additional items to consider. Uh, what is the relationship between the floors? Uh, well, we started to say that the stairs and the elevators better align. Uh, I sure hope the stairs and the elevator align because it doesn't really make sense otherwise. Uh, and that the first floor is always going to be bigger than the second floor. It's okay if the second floor is exactly the same size as the first floor, but it's unlikely. You're probably going to make it so the second floor is actually smaller than the first floor. Um, that's the only thing that matters in terms of relationship. Uh, the, there, there is no other element that runs back and forth. It's just the stairs and the elevator align and that the uh, second floor fits onto the first floor. Um, should I erase the walls between the corridor, uh, different corridor parts? When you, when you do different parts of corridors, you know, you'll, you'll do one that's like that and then I'll do another one that's like that. Um, yes, you have to erase out that, that wall to make that into one corridor uh, and also to the lobby space as well. What rooms get windows? Uh, you're only required to put windows where they specifically have called them out, uh, so you don't need to add any others. You can if you want, but um, I wouldn't go out of my way to add any uh, really large number of extra windows if they haven't specifically asked you to, because you know it's just one more place for something to go wrong. Do doors and windows need to be in any pattern? Kind of got typos all over the place here, sorry about that, pattern. Uh, no, the windows and doors do not need to align. Uh, this is not a design exercise. It, they do not need to, you don't need to have the second floor windows line up with the first floor windows. Don't bother even thinking about it. Uh, and then, uh, how do you place rooms next to each other? Um, well, first thing you're going to do is you're going to put them next to each other, you're going to align them uh, without overlapping them, and you're going to then check it by using the check tool, which will turn them red if they uh, are not, uh, if they're too much overlapped or if they're too far apart from each other. So use the the advantages of this fairly simple program. We have a couple questions here. Um, let's see. We have a question from uh, from Diana is asking: do, do stair dimensions matter? As in, do you, you know, do we need to approximate the amount of uh, risers, rise and run, ma minimum stair widths? And then, secondly, from Jonathan, can you put windows on the interior when the program asks for a visual connection between rooms? Yes, you can put windows on the interior. Um, I wouldn't actually, because I think most of the time you can do it with doors. Uh, and the doors will answer the, the issue, and then you're not doing an extra thing. You already have to put a door in, so you might as well just do it with doors, but you can put windows in in those specific situations. Regarding the stairs, yeah, the stairs, I would always do the stairs as, um, it's gonna be 200 square foot per, I would, I would do it as a uh, uh, 10 by 20 box. Um, and because I know that will work as a stair, uh, I don't really need to think about it, um, however, there is nobody, nobody is going to look at this and go through and figure out whether your stair works. So if you did the stair as a square, okay, that's fine. Uh, it's not gonna matter as long as it's the right square footage. Uh, nobody is checking to see if you could figure out how to get, how many risers you could get. Um, there is a stair vignette and that's where they do that. Um, so the reason though that I suggest actually doing it in a shape that looks like a stair is that it'll visually jump out as a stair for you when you're doing your planning. So you're, again, you're making these things um, uh, work to your advantage, right? That it looks like a stair, um, but it, that's the only reason. It's not because uh, anybody's looking to check that. 
Um, so here's a couple, uh, uh, this is a passing example of, of one, um, and you can look on the, uh, when you go back through this thing later, you can go and, and look through this a little more closely, but uh, you get a sense of, there's the pass-through of the doors, going for through the stairs, I have a stair at one end and then a stair uh, at the other end. Um, everything seems to sort of be uh, working fairly simply. Um, it's nice and ordered. Uh, you can see that the first floor is more dense than the second floor, just like we said. Um, in this case, there's the big room. Uh, there's the open to below version of the big room. Everything seems to be sort of working um, at uh, reasonable advantages. Uh, we look at a failing example, uh, and now you can start seeing there's lots of little kinds of, uh, of mistakes. There's rooms that don't connect directly to the corridor, so they have to go through another room. That's a no-no. Uh, the uh, dead-end corridors start showing up. Um, there's just a bunch of little mistakes that start happening. And one that's sort of worth pointing out is that this room and this room were supposed to, so that's, that room is supposed to be visually controlled from this room but obviously you can't see around a corner, right? So that doesn't count as visually, visual control. Uh, that room probably should have been right here. Uh, so that just gives you a sense of kind of some examples of failing and, and passing solutions. So let's move on. All right, we're changing course. We're gonna jump into the interior design layout uh, and we're gonna go through fairly quickly on this one. Uh, the fascinating thing about the interior design layout is that it is a super simple little office. Uh, it's probably something you've done 50 times. Uh, it's not hard. Uh, it's a, you have to put some furniture, make a couple offices into a, uh, a larger office. Uh, it's very simple and straightforward. However, because you only have one hour for it, it's actually really hard. Um, by far, uh, the people who talk to me about this, who've had trouble with, with either of these, who've failed the schematic design, uh, everybody was always worried about the building design, but actually this is the one that trips them up. It's not uh, complicated. There's nothing particularly hard about it. It's something kind of thing you've done a million times before. It's just hard to do fast. Uh, and there's also not that many correct answers, and so you have to stumble onto the correct answer. So uh, the basic thing here is uh, you are making a very small office design, and it's really about did you uh, make room for all of the uh, accessibility rules? Um, did you answer all the, all the line items of the program, and did you make it uh, follow all the accessibility rules? And it's really best if uh, you just think of it as a little game because uh, it, it just doesn't, it's, it doesn't make sense otherwise. You have to move so fast through it that you have to just kind of think of it like, did I get the points for you know, getting all the program right? Uh, so again, uh, the basic thing here is you wanna, there's, this is, the program here is much, there's many fewer rooms. It's probably only gonna be five offices, maybe six, um, but it's gonna be a lot of little detail pieces of information. So you wanna understand what the issues are. You're gonna figure out what your basic uh, plan is likely to be by using some quick sketching. Uh, you're then gonna go through the details and then you're gonna sort of follow through, draw it all out, and then you're gonna use the check to try to find everything at the last second to make sure you got it uh, all, all done right. Again, one thing at a time, keep it simple. Remember, it's a puzzle. So 
First thing, you're going to start by taking a look at the, the drawing that's given to you. Um, I've, I've put a desk in I, uh, just so you can see the scale. Uh, the desk wouldn't be there already. Uh, this would be show. This is an example one where there's a connection to a corridor. The door is already shown. Uh, the walls that are the uh, demising walls of the office are shown. Uh, there's a couple of key pieces of information like those windows are there, and you get a sense of sort of the overall like how things are likely to be. Uh, sort of organized. So you're going to look at the plan, uh, and then just like the schematic design, you're going to go through and uh, you know, have your system for taking notes, go through the program, uh, and really uh, bang through it fast and have a good, clear system so you know how you're sort of pulling all that information together. So here's an example of a program. Uh, it has a few pieces of information uh, up at the top, which we'll talk about uh, sort of basic uh, aspects of this particular program. And then here's, uh, in this case, the fi uh, five rooms. Um, and then each room has a few sort of points about it, like uh, somebody needs to be able to have uh, visual control over the front door. Uh, maybe somebody's office needs to have a direct access to a conference room. You know, little pieces of information like that. But then the other key piece is that there's all of these like lists of furniture for each room. Right, so all the furniture requirements for each room are shown. Right? And that's a lot of little pieces of information you gotta keep track of, uh, and it's a fairly tight space. So you're gonna have your system for how you kind of put all that information together. Right? You're gonna do that same thing. You're probably gonna have a matrix. You're gonna figure out how you're holding on to that information. Maybe it's a different way of doing it, but you're gonna have some way that you translate that information quickly for yourself. And then the code will not be particularly extensive, and it's mostly about accessibility, um, but there may be a few other issues. But the key pieces to take away are the idea of the 60-inch circle, the five-foot circle. Every room is going to get a 60-inch circle. Uh, now, you don't actually draw that circle in. You just there just needs to be space that you could draw that circle in. So my suggestion is every room you draw it in in sketch mode, which means the computer isn't reading it, but you can see it. Um, so you're going to put a 60 inch circle in every room. These are small offices. That 60 inch circle is a relatively easy thing to do, but that's still a big square space without any furniture or anything else in it. Um, so it can, it can get harder than it sounds. But even more important than that one, in my mind, is the space around the doors. So this is on a door on the push side of a door, so going through the door that way. I need to have a space that's 48 inches this way and then 12 inches past the uh, handle edge of the door. So that's going to be a 36-inch door plus the 12-inch. That's going to be another 48 inches over that way. So I have a 48 by 48-inch box that nothing else can encroach into. And that's in order to allow somebody in a wheelchair to be able to pull up uh, and get to that door handle. On the pull side, so on this side, if I'm approaching this door from this side, I need to have actually 18 inches and 60 inches uh, of space for that to work. So that ends up being, this is a big box. Uh, and my suggestion is you do these in sketch mode, in that green sketch mode uh, rectangle, and you actually put them by every door that you put into the plan so that you can see as you start putting the furniture in, you make sure that you're not accidentally uh, getting a little too close. It's really easy when things start getting tight to suddenly have a, you know, a chair or something, just, get, just go over that little bit of space. 
So sketch out some ideas. I always suggest that you sketch three different ideas. So you know, you start off thinking about, all right, I'm going to draw three plans. I do them very fast, thumbnail size. Like, okay, what what, what if I do uh, the uh, conference room over there and the something office there? All right, now I'm going to try the conference room over here. Okay, now I'm going to try the conference room in the middle. All right, just do a couple of different quick ideas and then decide. All right, this is the one that really is the most likely. Let's go with that. Right? So give yourself a couple of uh, choices, but do them very, very fast uh, so you can then really feel like you're going down the right road. Like I said, there's not that many correct answers in this. Unlike the building design and everything, you can, there's a lot of ways you can answer that. This one, there's only a few. So you want to make sure you've identified, like, okay, who gets the windows, uh, roughly how much space is needed for each one. Uh, make sure you've got all the furniture understanding. Are there any specialties, like I have to be able to access directly from one room to another? And then don't forget the accessibility issues, which I think I've kind of gone through. Then you're going to start sketching out your plan. Uh, you're going to maybe in sketch mode kind of put a, couple, put a couple lines across that start giving you a sense of how things might start to be broken up. Uh, another way you might do it is some people will bring out one of the rooms uh, and they'll bring out the uh, furniture and start placing the furniture and then changing the room size to fit to the furniture. So that, that's the way that they know that they're getting the tightest uh, room uh, to fit around the furniture and then they'll move, move that uh, into position. Um, that's one way to do it. It's not necessarily the best. It's like different people will find their way. This is why you want to practice it. Uh, again, the tools are sort of uh, unusual. Uh, the furniture is all part of a tool. So there's an armchair, you put it in. There's an executive desk, you put that in. And those are all the lists of, in the program that you had to go through. Don't forget that the doors, you actually will uh, show, you have to choose the swing of the door. It takes a little getting used to because you're grabbing it out of a menu and you're looking at a plan. So you have to, you want to practice using that. It's, you get it pretty fast, but it's one of those things that's a little awkward. All right, here's a failing example. Um, and you can start to sort of take a look at kind of what makes it failing. Um, but it, it'll start jumping out at you pretty quick. Uh, this space right here, if you had that sketch mode box, you would realize that it really, the, the, you didn't have enough room next to that door. Uh, same thing with this space right there. Same, same thing with uh, uh, that space right there. Turns out, if you went through the program closely, you'd, it would become clear that you needed to have uh, access uh, from these two, uh, the, this office room into this uh, conference room. Um, you know, you start seeing a, there's a bunch of very specific issues. Um, one of the things that people do all the time is they'll find that they put the bookshelf in, but they have it facing the wrong way or something like that because they're moving fast and they just kind of don't get to it. Well. If you have the bookshelf facing into the wall, the computer will think of that as a mistake. You probably wouldn't fail because of that, but if you had that plus another mistake, that might make you fail. Um, the biggest issues here, if you couldn't fit in one of the pieces of furniture, my guess is you probably wouldn't fail. But if you missed any of the accessibility, my guess is you would fail. So if, you have, if you're in that last second moment and you can't make both work, I would get rid of a piece of furniture as long as it's a minor piece of furniture uh, and make sure the accessibility works. Uh, obviously, any of the major furniture has to be there, like the, the desks uh, all have to be there, uh, all that kind of thing. So you, you see very quickly, I'm going to move back for a second here. Um, 
uh, that as you start pulling out uh, these pieces, like I, I might have to use uh, you know, three or four or five of, of these. So this isn't telling you, like just because you've chosen one doesn't mean you're done. Um, it just means that you, are, you only have those to choose from. So if you're sitting there trying to figure out how do I do this thing because I can't find a tool for it, stop trying to do it because there's, you're not supposed to be doing it. Uh, you're only doing the things that you've been told to do. So you have the, in this particular case, you've got the four rooms plus the fifth room, which is the reception area, which is the space that's left. So the, that reception area is always that one that's a little awkward. So here's the passing solution version of it. Uh, you can see in sketch mode, they've got the, the five foot circles everywhere. Again, you don't actually draw those for real. Um, but if you started to put them in, you could find a spot in every room that you could make that uh, fit. Um, they're using, in this case, the 36-inch circle to make sure that they've got enough room for a wheelchair to get through. Uh, and somebody's coming in here. This desk has visual control over the door, so somebody coming in would know immediately to talk to them. Um, that uh, you know, each of these things you can you can move through and find your way to, to each of the pieces, and that's how this stuff is going to work. Uh, so, okay. Remember, one thing at a time, keep it simple. It's a puzzle, it's not architecture. Uh, have a plan, know what you're gonna do, know your, how you're gonna take notes, know, uh, practice the idea. Like if you've, if you've done one practice uh, vignette, well then do it again, but do it with a different note-taking system. Like force yourself to try different ways to really know how you're gonna do this stuff. And then work it in order. Go through it one thing at a time, analyze it first, uh, do a uh, quick sketch version, move through it. You want to kind of build it up because you don't want to just dive straight in and start putting rooms in place or corridors in place uh, and then realize after you're 40 minutes in uh, that you made a mistake. You want to know, you want to have confidence. So build it up, start with a simple sketch, make sure it seems like it's going to work, then make it better, make it better, make it better, and get it to the end and check all the way along. Go back and read the code, use the check, uh, all those different ways to, to uh, make sure that you didn't miss something along the way. All right, so we have lots of good, um, good questions here. Um, maybe we'll start with some recent ones. Ryan's asking, uh, is that chair, so if you go back maybe a couple of slides, is that chair flanking a coffee table in the middle acceptable? Um, and I think this was maybe one back where there were, yeah, where those, uh, I think those uh, in the, corner here? Oh, um, yeah, the coffee table is sort of the, <laughs> uh, and you guys are asking all these great questions. Uh, the coffee table is this kind of unusual, like pretty much all of the other pieces of furniture have very strict rules about them. Uh, obviously, I need to be able to get into a chair, right? Uh, obviously, the desk needs to work like a desk would work. Um, the bookshelf needs to be facing in the correct direction. The file cabinet needs to be facing the correct direction. As far as I can tell, the coffee table can be either off by itself, just sitting in a corner, it can be next to a chair. I think the coffee table is the one that has the most flexibility uh, and is the one I would be least worried about in terms of uh, how it sits. So I actually think in that spot it's probably okay. That's not one of the reasons why this would be a failing example. Dave is asking, can you put the 60 inch circle in the door swing area? Um, you know, I've seen, I've seen conflicting things about it. Uh, if you can, I would try to keep it separate, but I don't think that's going to fail you. Okay. Um, and then let's see here. Uh, is it required to have the 36-inch 30 clear space all around the conference table 
or the table for four? Yeah, so this is kind of an interesting thing. The, uh, the issue is I have to be able to get to everything, every piece of furniture uh, and into every room if I'm in a wheelchair, hence the 36 inch. So if, for example, on this plan, if you look, you come into this room, uh, I come into this room, I have the 36 inch clear as it goes along all the way to there, but then I don't have 36 inch uh, behind that chair, right? That's not 36 inches, but it doesn't matter because I can get to this chair, I can get to this chair, I can get to, I can get to all of these, I can get to this, I can get to all of these different pieces of, of uh, furniture, and if I wanted to, I could go back the other way and get to all the other ones. So I don't need to have this 36 inch go all the way around as long as I can get to, eat, to every single piece. However, if for some reason I had to get behind this, uh, to let's say I couldn't get through over here for some reason, there was something blocking the way, and I had to go through uh, from this side over to get to that, this would not be enough and I'd have to find a way to shift that conference room table to make sure I had the 36 inches there. Uh, and the same would be true on the four top as well. As long as I can get to each chair, that's fine. The only reason I would have to get around the whole thing is if I've laid it out in some way that I have to get around it to get to some other piece of furniture. Okay. And then Ryan's asking, uh, can secretary desks really go back to back or do you need a 36 inch circle from back of chair to the next desk? I think it means, I think he's referring to these guys kind of being back to back. Um, yeah, so again, uh, if I, th I assume you're talking about something like, like this, um, with a chair and a chair, uh, that's fine. Um, if it's because you have access to this chair and you have access to that chair, um, so, so that is, is a-okay. Um, the, the, the trick is you just have to be able to get to every piece of, of uh, furniture. Um, so the, the hard ones start coming when you have something like, um, uh, not quite big enough, but oop. Uh, when you have something like, like this, I've got a chair there and a chair there and a wall or something, and that space I have to have, make sure that that's fully 36 inches in order to get into that space. Um, and that ends up being a lot bigger than it looks when you're, um, when you're first laying it out and it starts adding up quite a bit. Uh, but if, there, if there's something like this or it's back to back like this, um, those, are, those are almost always gonna be just fine. So Amelia has an interesting question. She says, can you touch on how important it is to overlap walls? She talks about how her first time through she thought the walls uh, just went next to each other and didn't realize until she added doors at the end that they needed to overlap to cut through. So maybe there's actually a, a broader question just about like kind of, you know, actually doing, you know, putting yeah, the, the actual real pieces in place. Yeah, yeah. so you're, you're uh, overlapping them and it's, it's all supposed to be self-healing and that it will figure out that if you overlap it, it's, it's going to sort of put it together that, that, that those are, that's actually one wall. This is one of the reasons why you use check um, because if you, uh, uh, if, if, if something is overlapped too much uh, and so it's not, 
able to do the self-healing thing, then it should pop out as red. If they're too far apart from each other, it should do the same thing. So you actually use the tools uh, at your hand and it should be fairly simple and straightforward, but this is why you practice it. So like, this is you know, exactly what you just said. Um, you, know, you, you try it once and you sort of think you're doing it, and then you realize, oh wait, this isn't working. Like you do, you practice it a couple of times, and by the third time you've done it, you, that it'll be secondhand. You won't even think about it. Uh, going back to, uh, to to this vignette, uh, Vanessa's asking, uh, doesn't the door on the right of the large room uh, need to be left-handed so that people exiting through the corridor don't get blocked by the door? So I believe it's this door she's talking about. Um, that's a, that is certainly a good idea so they could exit out to the stair more easily because they're not being blocked by the door. Um, but no, the computer is not going to see that. The only thing the computer is going to see is that it's uh, swinging into the corridor because it's an egress door. And the reason that that's okay is because we know that these corridors are um, six foot wide, and so the, the door swinging into that, I have enough room to easily get by, in the same way that anybody who's already in that corridor has enough room to get by. Um, it, it's a good point. Um, uh, from a design standpoint, it's probably a, a better idea, uh, but it does not matter from the... the so, so my answer to you is yes, but not really. Um, like I, I totally agree with that as a, as a point, but not on the exam, doesn't matter. Either way is okay. Okay, and then uh, we'll take our final question here from um, Luis, uh, who's asking, can the side of a chair be against the front of an executive desk? The side of a chair, oh yeah. Going back to the interior layout. Yeah, you know, um, I, I actually think that's probably okay, um, as long as it's not touching and in the way. Um, but, they, so a few years ago, um, well, many years ago, th this program was designed in like 1994 and it went online in like 96 or so. Uh, so you can imagine that this is a kind of complicated, clunky um, uh, little program because it's made at a very different time. Um, but one of the few changes they actually made in it, uh, I think probably in about maybe 2000 or so, was they made the executive chairs have uh, that little arcing shape to it. Um, they didn't originally have that. And the reason they did that is because they were finding that people were sort of, um, uh, you know, taking a, a room uh, and making it easier. To, they would just put the executive desk right up against the wall. So there's my chair, there's my desk. Um, and it kind of wasn't the point. That's not really what the design was supposed to be like. It was supposed to be like an office where, you know, somebody is sitting there and looking important and you come in the door and they yell at you, right? Um, so it was, the idea was that the, the desk was floating in the space and so to stop people from putting it up against the wall, they made that little, little shape uh, where it has that arc. Uh, so I think they like the idea of there being an open space next to that. Um, however, I think you could make a claim for there being, um, there being a chair like pretty close to that is probably okay. Um, so I think as long as you can get around to everything else, I think it's probably all right. Um, but uh, you should think of that executive desk from that light. It's like it's not supposed to be hidden up against something. It's not like it should be proud and in the space. 
Okay, and I lied. I'm going to take one more question here. <laughs> uh, Jonathan has one. He's saying, when drawing the rooms, are you supposed to erase the walls that overlap the demising exterior walls? Meaning that you know the room is yeah. drawn as a box, so when you place it in the corner, it'll overlap the existing walls. Can that happen? Um, I I believe you just overlap them. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the last time I actually did it. Uh, it, it should be it should become pretty obvious when you if you do a check. Um, but I, yeah, I believe you just overlap them, and it should be fine. Okay, cool. Well, thank you, Mike, uh, and thanks to everybody who tuned in. If you'd like to attend our next ARE live broadcast. Visit blackspectacles.com slash podcast to register to attend. Just like today, you'll have a chance to ask questions and share your answers for live feedback during the broadcast. And to learn more about our AIA ARE prep curriculum, you can go to blackspectacles.com. Uh, we'll also put a link in the show notes. Uh, and for those of you who are ready and want to get busy preparing for the ARE, you can use a 15% coupon off of um, all of your charges uh, of any AIA ARE prep membership by visiting AIA.org slash ARE prep. And that's ARE prep is one uh, word with no spaces. And finally, please hop over to iTunes right now and rate our podcast to let us know what you think and share any suggestions you may have. I promise we'll read every word that you write and use them to tune our next episodes. So thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.